Okay, well, we will uh, start. And, uh, we are dealing with communion with the triune God. And the last couple of weeks we dealt with communion with the Father. And that one week was dealing with communion with the Father and the love that He has for us and the love that we have for Him, and we showed how similar that is in that sense. Then last week we looked at the difference between His love and our love back to Him. And of course it's like attributes, and communicable attributes and then non-communicable attributes. Uh, so this week what we're going to do now is uh, fellowship with the Mediator, uh, communion with the Son of God. So there's a distinct communion with the person of the Father that we have. There's a distinct communion that we have with the Son. So that's what we're going to proceed to. And we see Him as the mediator, the, the go-between, the one that is between us and God. And, uh, like Kind of like the, uh, the uh, umpire, the daysman, it's known as in, uh, in Job. Um, it's amazing that he submitted himself for our sakes. I think a good uh, scripture to start off with is in Galatians 4, um, verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So that's what Christ did as our mediator that um, we became adopted and we became into the family because He did what He was purposed to do all the way through. So we're going to declare the fellowship that we have by looking at the Scriptures that we have fellowship with the Son of God. We already know that, but it's kind of interesting to look on those scriptures and get some new light on some of these verses that we've seen so many times. And then secondly, we'll show where in the fellowship uh, or communion does exist. Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You that we can come to You. Thank You that we have access to You. You, the Holy God. The God who transcends, but the God who reaches down to us and brings us into your family and adopts us. And you have a relationship with us that you want us to know more and more about who you are and you desire for us to do that. You desire to have relationships, communion with us. May we seek it more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first of all, we'll look at the Scriptures to confirm that we do have fellowship with the Son of God. We have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with the Son. We have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Look in 1 Corinthians 1.9. I really like this one. As it says, God is faithful. So there, that would be dealing with the Father. He's faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So when you see the word fellowship, you can also say communion. But God is faithful that through 
Christ were called into fellowship with His Son. Got to like that. All the saints are called. And it's by the faithfulness of God. He's faithful in doing that. Um, and it means we will be preserved. And it means that even fellowship with Jesus Christ our Lord. We are called by God the Father, which is what we've been looking at, how He loves us. And we're called by the Father to pursue love of Him. And we're also to called to communion with the Son. Ah, Revelation 3.20. You guys know this? Behold, I stand and... No. 3.20. This is for us believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine or sup with him and he with me. This is Christ here in Revelation 3. I stand at the door now. He, he wants us to come in. Of course, it, you know, we can see this as starting as a believer, but really this is much more than just the... Uh, him knocking at the door for salvation. It is really our life with Him. He opens the door. I will come in to Him. Will dine with Him. He was made to dine with us, to sup with us, you know, to 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 eat with us. This is this is called fellowship, isn't it? If this is not fellowship, I don't know what fellowship is. To actually sit down with Him and partake of Him. You know, it's it's always a great thing, you know, when God's people come together and eat and fellowship and talk. You know, those those are really good things, and so He uses that kind of analogy. He, you know, it, and you know what? He refreshes Himself in a sense with His own graces, as He graces us by His Spirit that's bestowed on us. The Lord Jesus Christ is delighted in tasting the sweet fruits of the Spirit of God that are worked in us. Now think about that. We have the Spirit of God in us, right? And whenever He fellowships with us, He partakes, delights in the fruits that the Holy Spirit has developed in us. Ever thought of that? He delights in us or He delights in the work of the work of the Spirit. And the, the, the gifts of the Spirit that have been worked, worked through us. Can you imagine Him delighting in us? But it's because of God's work in us. Look at John 14.23. John 14.23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves Me, he will keep My word. And My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with Him. I think we used, we've used this verse before. Probably used it last week. Might have used it the week before. There's the Father's love for us, but also it's Jesus the Son, isn't it? And you have to like this. If, if we love Him, what, does it, what do we do? Well, we keep His Word. We obey Him, right? 
We believe, we trust, we obey. And then he says, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. To abide, stick around. Oh, Hupo what? Hupo minnow. Hupo minnow. To remain, to, to live with us, to come in and stay with us. So there is Christ there. So we're just looking at scriptures there, Audrey, to confirm that we have fellowship with the Son of God. Just in case you needed to be proved this. <laughs> Thank you. In John 4, 14, John 4, you have the woman at the well, that whole story. Here we have the uh, very water of life. This is John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So fellowshipping and communicating with him and communing with him is taking of his water, the water of life. He is the water, right? The water, true water of life. We'll never thirst again. So he abides with us. Uh, we drink of him. We eat of him. There's... Um, John 14, I started to go there long ago. Did, did we do that? I think we did. Yeah, we did. Okay, I'm sorry. So there it is, Christ coming to us, making His abode with us. We never get thirsty. We drink of that constantly. He's with us. John 15:1. He makes an I am statement. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. He's the vine. We are the branches. We live in Him. We abide in Him. We fellowship with Him. It's constant. We're drinking of His water. This is life, right? He's the tree of life there, I guess you could say. He's the vine, the true vine. Um, you got to like Matthew 11. Very familiar passage. This all reminds us, we're really going to be looking at the person of Christ here and how He relates to us. Matthew 11, 27-28 All things have been handed over to Me by My Father. No one knows the Son. Wait. Does anyone know the Father except the Son? And anyone to Him who the Son wills to reveal Him? Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's Jesus. So in Him, as He abides in us, we find quiet. We find rest, we find we can relax in Him. Rest. That's where we get our rest. No longer do we have to struggle in a sense without Him. But, you know, 
the corruptions, how powerful they are, how powerful temptations and sin is, the trouble of temptations and tests that we have, distress. And with all of that, and you might have a tough day at work. It's nice to know Matthew 11 here says, here's where we get our quiet. Here's where we get our rest. Here's where we get our peace. Boy, that's fellowship, isn't it? And the person of Christ. It's an invitation to come to Jesus. What you do, He comes in and dwells in you. So the person of Christ. Not what's going on around us, is it? Now, now that we've looked at the fact that we have this great fellowship with the Lord Jesus, it also shows that we have a particular communion with Him, and it's in grace. It's, it's done in grace. That's how it happens. This is everywhere that we look, we see this, and, and it has to be in His grace. Um, go to John again. John 1.14 Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So as we look at these Scriptures, we, we see the truth that's involved with it. We're not just making it up, but there it is. But He's full of grace and truth. The communion that we have with Christ is in grace. Communion with Christ is, is in grace. So, And then you, you keep on going and you look at verse 16. For of His fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. Do we ever have enough grace? It just keeps coming, doesn't it? Grace upon grace. How much grace? For of His fullness we've all received grace upon grace. Then we drop down into um, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So you have the law, but we see that the law is fulfilled in Christ, there's our rest, and we realize it through Christ that this grace and truth. He is full of grace and truth, right? Here it is. Grace and truth are realized in Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. So that's how we know the Father. Ah, so, what was the key word there? Grace. Right? The only way we can have this communion is it's all by His grace. We couldn't work it up if we had to. Look at 2 Corinthians 13. And we're still emphasizing the word grace. 13. 14. Very last verse, Corinthians. You have the triune God here. Can you read that, Bob? Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Can't help but see the triune God there. It is, isn't it? That's the way to close out a book. So, dealing with the Father, what is it? It's the love. 
the love of God. And that's what we dealt with in the past couple of weeks. The love of the Father. And what about the Holy Spirit? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Here, it involves grace. Of course, they all have this because God is God. But he emphasizes these key words and the reason that we can have the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit can go back and see that it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They all work in together. Anything that comes to us, whether it be salvation or sanctification, the whole triune God is involved in every aspect. So it's grace that is ascribed to our Lord Jesus. So more often than not, when you see the word grace, you'll see it coupled with Jesus. So you'll notice that in your, in your reading from here on out. Look at it when you see the word grace, how often it is with Him. Now, Paul uses that a lot too. We'll get to that in well, why don't I go ahead and talk about it now? Uh, here's one that a lot of times in my email you've seen it a lot. I'll close with what? Grace to you, right? Of course, it's one of my favorite radio shows. Um, but Paul uses that in his letters. Grace to you or some kind of something related to that. Almost the same thing. And he's delighted with this. To say grace to you, right? So there, he's using it there, and um, it's it's like it's like a motto of Paul. How often do you see it? As he opens up every letter with grace, here he ended the letter with it also. It's just all over the New Testament, and Paul is all over the New Testament, so he can't help but spring grace. And of course, Christ is mentioned as many times or even more. Right. He knew he knew the difference, didn't he? So Paul and uh, Grace be with you, the Lord Jesus be with you. Whenever he's saying grace be with you or the Lord Jesus be with you, they're so parallel, they're both saying the same thing. If it be grace to you, it's like Christ be with you. When he says, Lord Jesus be with you, he's saying grace be with you. They're equivalent. What's that? The grace of our Lord Jesus. And that's how he closed that letter up. Exactly. So this is what we peculiarly really focus our eyes on here on the Lord Jesus is we commune with Him because of this grace. We receive it from Him grace upon grace. It's gospel grace. It's revealed in. It's exhibited in the gospel grace. So now, what we're going to look at now, that's how we have communion with Him. His grace. The next one is about Jesus Himself is grace. We'll look at His personal grace. Usually we think of grace It's dealing with you know our salvation. We're saved by grace, right? Uh, well, and of course that works with this, but we're going to look at His nature. And one of His nature elements is, is grace. And whenever I think of that, I think of an inward beauty. It would be the excellence of Him. It would be His glory. You know, all those key words. So... When you think of certain passages that describe Jesus, now 
We don't know how he really looked outwardly. And we have some ideas that there wasn't anything that drew people just because of his looks. We're not saying he was ugly. Isaiah says in 52 and 53 he was uncomely. But a lot of that is because he had been beaten in the face to where you wouldn't even recognize who he was. But there wasn't anything that drew people just because of his outward look, but he is beautiful to us, isn't he? He's not an ugly duckling. I don't think that either. But. He was a charismatic. <laughs> I mean, he literally... From strong, handsome, charismatic types. Yeah, he didn't have an, an outward appearance. Yeah, it, it wasn't the outward appearance that drew people, but it's what, what is inwardly. And so his glory was seen whenever he was walking on the earth. Um, of course, his glory has been seen, like in the Old Testament, we'll start there for a moment, he is, and we're going to use the word white. He's white, bright white, brighter than the floor soap. Whiter than you can. There's a white car out there. It's whiter than that, right? Uh, that's pretty white. pretty white. So we turn to Daniel chapter uh, seven. And we're going to take a few glimpses of Jesus and see how beautiful, how excellent, how much of glory He is about. What happened to Psalm 45? Well, you got it? It's a bonus? Yeah. Well, throw it in there. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has loved you through. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Let's say it again. Let you it get into my mind. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. That's the Son. And grace is upon His lips, but He's beautiful. And that's what we're getting at. This, you know, and this it speaks much more than than an outward thing. You know, we, so much that we um, we tend to think, you know, all physical beauty. We know the inner beauty is really something we strive for, but. Well, you know, Here it goes way really beyond. It doesn't really matter what he looks like to us. We didn't get to see him anyway. You know, his human body is doesn't long matter, does it? Yeah. We did all those pictures. That's right. Horses. We did. We did. We did. We did. We did. We did. We actually produced by Johnny Cash, Johnny and June Carter Cash. It was the gospel and Johnny Cash narrates it and but Jesus is blonde and blue eyed. <laughs> and all the characters were very, you know, Southern yeah. Southern Baptist America and looking oh, America. And, you know, but I don't know where they filmed the lakes and you know, the rocky you know, places to make it look like it was in that training and you know, holy land or whatever, but <laughs> I thought it's it funny if, if they went on location. It's almost like, why didn't they get somebody around <laughs> here that might have looked like Well, it, it may not have been yeah. on location. Oh, you know, it kind of looked like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just, it was, you had, you had to kind of smirk, but at the same time, it was still done reverently, but it was like, you know, it was, it was like a Sunday there. school kind of lesson that you, you know the kids would see in a storybook of Jesus with blind blue eyes, looking real handsome, and, 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 and you 
you know. Even hanging on the cross, he's a he's something. Yeah. He's a cute little guy. Yeah. I've always so. been comforted in knowing that it really didn't matter. It really didn't matter when, when the scripture you just, uh, you just mentioned it says he, he was not coming. And what would have happened if he would have been like a what somebody like a, 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 a Johnny or, or, or Johnny or what, what what's his name is the sax sax player do you remember him had the big long flowing hair or there was another guy like uh, kind of like him yeah Johnny that's it that's it yeah the Greek guy yeah yeah. He had real long flowing hair, and you know, you yeah. think, okay. I and he, would, I, I think he would be been considered, you know, quite a handsome man, I guess. Right? Probably. Don't ask me about that. Who was that one that used to, that Christian one that played the piano? Was, uh, that we toured all over the place. Had the bright white, wear a white suit. Oh, Dino. 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 Yeah. You guys remember Dino? No, that's another Greek guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. White, white grand piano, white tuxedo. Oh, yeah, we have one. I could play piano. <laughs> I thought you Oh, the Daniel 7 9. Yeah, thanks for doing the Psalm 45 there, Penny. That was uh, one that we uh, definitely needed to hit on there. I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. White snow, pure wool. Yeah. You've seen somebody with just brilliant white hair and you go, man. Sanders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind having my gray hair turn like that. So that, that would be cool. And to have hair. But, you know, mine just turns gray. and, and it's, it's, it, But you've seen some people. Yeah. But, I mean, the Ancient of Days here, white snow, hair like pure wool in this sense. You know, I mean, there's a, there is some kind of a, a, a look in this vision that uh, Daniel sees. And of course, the throne is ablaze with flames, wheels with burning fire. What what a vision that he saw there! And of course, thousands and thousands, myriads and myriads. How about that? Myrias. What you got her name? Millions and millions were standing before him, seeing this ancient of days. Get a glimpse. This is the the most amazing person that's ever lived. Yeah, that's that. Ferris of ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Ferris, Ferris, Lord Jesus. That's yeah. There's another line on that. I even saw that John Owen had something like that. I think he drew right out of that same same passage where they got that. So anyway, out of the Daniel 7, 9, you see that there, there is a, some kind of a glowing glory there that is, that goes way beyond, uh, you know, or even our physical eyes can imagine. But he, 
he shows off a glimpse of his glory. It, it is beautiful. It, you know, tremendous. This glory. glory does take in sight. Um, so we turn to Matthew 17:2. Jesus showed a glimpse of that glory to the disciples. Only three of them: Peter, James, and John. What an amazing sight! This, this is the one that we'll see. Even as you gave him, a, uh, wait, did I say seventeen? I didn't. Know that. That's Matthew. I turned to John for some reason, but it's Matthew seventeen. Yeah. I knew that wasn't right. He was transfigured before them. His face shone. I mean, it's just bright as can be, like the sun. And his garments became as white as light. If you looked at the sun, he'd go blind. There's this, it's, you know, as the sun is saying, and then the garments became as white as light. Sun, light. I mean, this is whiter than anything that we've ever seen. We have not experienced this. Uh, of course, Moses and Elijah are there. Peter, James, and John. Uh, no fullers on earth can uh, be as white as that Mark 9 says something of that nature in verse 3. His garments became radiant, um, glowing. Right? Radiant as can be. And exceedingly white. As no launderer on earth can whiten them. Nobody's the dude is kind of white. That's the transfiguration. And Mark uses that kind of... Uh, Verbiage there to amplify what a sight this was. And then you think of Revelation. John was there on the Mount of Transfiguration whenever he wrote the book of Revelation. It's the same John. He saw another sight of Jesus. It says in verse 14 his head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow. I'm trying to put it into some kind of human way of understanding it. Those words are going to fall short, aren't they? His eyes were like a flame of fire. Well, what you have going on here, and that's kind of what we're kind of seeping into, but we're looking at His whiteness right now. The, the divine glory that is surpassing anything that anybody could imagine. And of course the angels, they, they glorify Him. And the saints, we glorify Him now, but we'll glorify Him much more. Can you imagine what we will behold? Fully translated, when we're in our glorified bodies, we will be able to see things that we cannot now. Just as our eyes see dimly, Bob, your eyes were seeing dimly back a few months ago. Wasn't it amazing whenever you could start seeing yeah. things like you used to see? <laughs> and that was like a, it was like something over the eyes. Mm-hmm. And you could still see. That's what we're seeing. It, it's very shaded. We can barely see really what all, what colors are about. Just imagine the magnificence of God's creation, that recreation heavenly creation will be like. 
It was like a new life again, wasn't it? (laughs) But we'll be fully translated into that kind of glory that He had. And we will be wearing what kind of robes? White. How white? Just like this. No stain, no spot. So there is whiteness in His deity. The glory thereof. So you can't miss the white. Everything that we looked at, He's trying to get this out, comparing it to, to light. So He's white in the beauty of His innocence, His holiness, let's say. Um, the badge of innocence. Go to Isaiah 1.18. But when you hold up His holiness, and you look at man, look at yourself, you see not the same thing. One uh, eighteen. Come now, let us reason together. Says the Lord, though your skins, sins, <laughs> sins, are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. We're talking about the whitest that wool can be. I usually think of a lamb. I think of cream-colored white. But the, you know, this wool is extremely white. This is his holiness here. But we, you know, and it, so he puts it up against the sins that are like scarlet, red like crimson. You take that, and of course, at the cross we see his holiness, but also we see the blood that's there that he shed for us as he took on our sin. I must be aware of that author used the reference here with scarlet letter and that novel for that book. Remember way back there, we yeah. had to read that. That's right, because that cool. is like a major sin, yeah. right? Red, crimson, yeah. Scarlet letter. Scarlet A. That's right, adultery, right? Going back to my grade school days. <laughs> yep, we read that. I bet. I wonder if they read that. Mm-hmm. These things that they had us read that book at that age. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they would do that now. No. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? What's that book reference where uh, the Lord uh, has uh, Joshua join in the life? Zechariah. Zechariah. Yeah, and. No, I I didn't put that down, but I actually uh, saw it in the John Owen one. I had so many scriptures in my head. But you're right, that's exactly... I think it is Zechariah chapter 5, I think. Well, I think you're you're speaking more of Christ and His... Well, that's the reason they brought it out, though, was the same thing, because He was dirty. You know... There he was, like you know, he's the priest, right? And but at any rate, you know, he was dirty, but yet at the same time, there he is now with you know that the the white robes. Yeah, it's not in five. I don't know. Is it? Uh, I think it's oh, chapter three, I guess. 
exactly yeah. where that's at. Yeah. Verse 3, he was clothed with filthy garments and standing before an angel. And then it says, remove the filthy garments from him. And again, he said, see, I've taken your iniquity away from you. So there we go. There's the, you know, the sin, the iniquity. And you, I will clothe you with festal robes. Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. I so didn't say why, but get the idea. It, it, it cleaned him, cleaned him up, yeah. Festal. Festivity. Yeah. Whatever it was had to be bright. First Peter 1.19 but with precious blood, there's our red, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So he was spotless, he was unblemished, but there's that blood, and of course it was shed because of our iniquities. Chapter 2, verse 22, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Makes me think of Second Corinthians five twenty one. He who was white became. This is what Owen said. He who was white became ruddy, for God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So he is white, and then he became bloody, or you know, rough looking. So looking at these passages, this renders him. Very graceful, doesn't it? This is his nature. By his whiteness, then pours out the, you know, the, the blood. But he's pure, with no spot at all. And his redness that he has, Sabbath, that he representing our sin, and of course, that satisfied God's justice. That's the beauty of Christ right there, too. So, when you take the why, you think of His love and mercy and grace. And then when you see the red, you see justice and revenge toward, really, the enemies. He dies for us. The blood is shed. satisfies the Father. But yet the ones who are not His, at the same time, then you see that justice is done towards the enemies. Revelation 19.13 as He comes back to earth second coming and it says He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood His name is called the Word of God dipped in blood red with justice toward enemies go to the last part This is for the personal grace. That's his nature, right? It, I mean, he offers us grace, but we're talking about this is the grace of Christ as you look at him. You just, grace means beauty, excellence, glory. All those elements that we looked at, right? Just beautiful. Now, wherein this personal grace and excellency consist, he saved us. And he was fit to save us. Because to the uttermost, because he is God and he is man. You see, he had to die for our sins, and so he 
It's almost like He lays His hand upon God and He lays His hand upon us. He's the daysman. He's the one who is the means the umpire in the book of Job is how that's translated. The daysman, the umpire between both. He fills up the distance between man and God. He steps in between. There's our mediator there. And, and He's the only one who can save. It can only be Him. Of course, He's man. He's without sin. But He has to be God to do this. And so you have the, the two natures of God unified there. You can think of all the deity passages. There's that few here like, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is God. The Word was God in John 1.1, 1, 1, John 1.14. 1, the Word became flesh, became man. So there's your man, God. So He, he is fit to save. He has the fullness to save. That was at John 1.16. Looking at Christ. For of His fullness we have all received. Every one of us. All that are Christians. We have received the fullness of Christ. We didn't get a part of Christ. We got everything of Him as He dwells in us. That's overwhelming. The fullness of Christ. Fullness of Christ. About Colossians 1.19. Tells about For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. All the fullness of God, all of His beauty, all of His excellence, all of His glory is found in Christ. And then in John 1, we just read that, He gives the very fullness of God to us. I'll give you one to think on the rest of the week. We're not God, but He gives it. And of course, was it Peter says He gives us everything pertaining to godliness? Life and godliness. This is Hebrews 7.25. I had that one there. I can't remember how that was. I know it's dealing with the, the mediator. And... Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's living right now. He's interceding for us. He always will intercede for us. There is the mediator. There is the one who stands in between. Well, that's great theology. But not just great theology. That means much to us. Boy, this is good news, isn't it? This is our Jesus Christ. So He is fit to save. He is his fullness is there to save. Then I've got on the very last part the excellency to endure from his complete suitableness to all the wants of the souls. Now, Owen, that's his terminology there. That 
the wants there is what we were, we need. Just you know, temporal goods. We're talking about what we need. We have to have. So, are you dead? Well, Christ is life. Colossians three four. What's that, Bob? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. What's it saying there? Right now, He is our life. What what does it mean? He's going to be he's revealed. Revelation, apocalypse. The cover is going to be opened. The curtain is going to be brought back, brought out. Everybody sees when he's revealed. Then we'll be revealed with him in glory. Christ is our life. Do you feel weak? <laughs> He's our power. 124. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. It's like that. Christ is the power of God. The wisdom of God. Drop on down into verse 30. But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Do you see the word righteousness? Kind of like that, don't you? you, Do you feel guilty? Christ is our righteousness. Feel like... You know, we are to confess our sins, but do we just stay there? No. We can't. Get up. Get up. Confess it. Move on. Trust in Him. We don't stay in that because He says that He is our righteousness. By the way, in Jeremiah 23.6, God tells a name about Himself. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah or Yahweh is Lord Sikhanu is what? Righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. By the way, there was another name that he gave. Jehovah Nisi. Yahweh, you got it, our banner. He is our banner. That's revealed in the Old Testament. That means he holds, like whenever you would have be in battle, you would have a banner there to show, you know, that, hey, this... And of course, he is the winner, isn't he? He is the one that is controlling this whole war, and he is our victor. He has the banner over us. So if we're dead, we feel dead, he's our life. If we're weak, he's our power. If we're guilty, he's our righteousness. And I think I put down on your outlines, I like this, what um, Owen had here. By this, He becomes exceedingly desirable. By what we have looked at, here's how we sum it up. 
he becomes exceedingly desirable, altogether lovely. Aha! When he took that line. We sing a song that altogether lovely. That's Jesus. He is wonderful to us. We adore Him, don't we? We say, oh, I need to do that more. That's right. We do. We want to keep pursuing. Was it, was that in a song? Sunday. All together. It was recent. Yeah, what is that? Uh, uh, here I am to worship. Here I am to worship. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, those songs really help, don't they? <laughs> because they yeah. come, it, when they come right out of Scripture, it helps us remember, and when we're praising Him, we're saying these things to Him. But yet at the same time, He loves to hear that. And because He sees the fruit in us, and He gets to partake of that, He wants to fellowship with us. It doesn't make Him more benefited because He's lacking it, but He wants to enjoy the fellowship with us. And so when we say those words, that's why it's so great to be able to... We get the I mean, benefit. I, you know, I when we do our song service, I don't know what God's doing out of it, but it's doing wonders for me. Well, you know, I just can't imagine a, this awesome God caring two hoots about what I'm doing down here, singing out of his silly voice, and you know what I'm saying? And he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. This is fellowship, and there he is, fellowshipping with all of us. Yeah. You know, of course, the whole church is doing them worldwide. You know, but I mean, you know, you, you think about it, and he really enjoys that. He's communing with us there. When we take communion, that's just one part of it. Singing is just one part of the Word of God. All of that, and that's just once a week. You know, a couple hours, and then another hour here. But the rest of the week, really, most of it is our own relationship with Him through the week. And we might be singing songs, or we might be, you know, just thinking about it or something. It, it's amazing that these songs kind of stick in your head sometimes too. When we learn a song, Bob, I don't know about you, probably the same thing happens. But for the next two or three days, sometimes it, it, I like it, but sometimes it sticks here and I can't get it out. It's annoying. I can't get it out of my head. That's all I think of. You know, it's that, it's glad to just get this song over think of another song here. but you keep going across certain it's lines that you like like, like that all together lovely I, like I, I was reading I was just reading I think it was on the internet um, medical science says that the more you think well can you believe they would actually say that I think they might be on to I, something. I, I thought when I read that, I was thinking that you had mentioned that Christianity is the only religion that sings. And I had never thought about that before. How incredible is that? And, and if anything else does, it's like a, there are, there's a chant or a, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. There's nothing there of the beauty of Christ the excellencies of Christ, the glory of God, the grace of God. How many songs do we sing about the grace of God? We had a whole bunch of them that started with G the other day, and the glory of God, right? And you can't help... As a matter of fact, it seems like a, major, a big majority of the songs we sing have something about grace in it or glory. It's phenomenal. 
This is the, the beauty, beauty of Christ. So by this he becomes exceedingly desirable. Christ should be more and more desirable to us. More and more, altogether lovely. As to this, the saints have distinct fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to seek earnestly after a righteousness. We want to have Christ in his, in the place where He ought to be in our hearts, right? Is He our all? Is He our everything? Is He our life, right? Does He dwell in your thoughts throughout the day? Do you know Him in His excellency, in His beauty, in His glory? Do you desire that? Do you desire to look into Him? Anyway, that's kind of what that's about. We, we will look next time at how do we fellowship with Christ. We've already said some of the things already. <laughs> we'll get into that a little more deeper. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Very enjoyable. <laughs> Are those questions on there? Oh, okay. I didn't know I put them on there. Good deal. There you go. So, Bob, you want to close this thing? Gracious Heavenly Father, you, uh, you are a good God and awesome Savior. And uh, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your faithfulness, and uh, for your word, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that brings this word more alive to us and helps us to make it our own and realize how you've placed your spirit in each one of the believers to so we you know we have the vast fountain there to call on at any time. And uh, and then you confirm that your word is in us and your spirit lives in us by um, different things each day in our life. Lord help us to be more aware of that and uh, to to see how you are the living Christ in us as we go through our day and that you're confirming yourself to us in things that we wouldn't even have thought about but mm -hmm. you're just there and you, you make us so aware of yourself in the present as we remain open to you in prayer and in reading the word and so forth, Lord, that we and sing that we would be drawing closer to you so that you draw near to us. We uh, praise you for all you are, Lord, and we give you honor with this uh, teaching tonight. We exalt your name and we bless your name, Lord. Because you are the great almighty God and your, your word, Lord, your book of life here, your Bible is a book of redemption that we wear as our banner in our hearts and in our lives. We thank you for all these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bart, great to have you back with us. Amen. Sounds like your hours have come back to kind of like normal again. Very good. Amen, amen.
week. It just it seemed quite right. Barb not sitting back there, so it's great to great to have you here. Yeah, or up here or wherever you want to sit. Yeah. It's just great to have you back. In here. Uh, we got fans that 